This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Today we focus on the fallout from the escalating trade tensions between Canada and the U.S. First, your finances. Investment guru Gordon Pape shares his strategy on how to make your portfolio defensive. And this has many Canadians resolving to cancel plans to travel to the United States this summer. Zoomer Magazine's executive editor and travel expert Vivian Vassos has tips on the best Canadian destinations. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Going to the same family doctor over a long period just might help you live longer. Researchers analyzed 22 studies from nine different countries and found that repeated contact with the same doctor meant fewer overall deaths. They say the lower death rate may be related to better communication with patients who are more likely to follow medical advice. The research is in the British Medical Journal. A 92-year-old Arizona woman has been charged with killing her son because she didn't want to be sent to an assisted living home. Police say Anna Mae Blessing hid two pistols in her robe after shooting her son several times in the home the pair shared. The son's girlfriend was also in the house at the time and was able to wrestle the gun away from the senior, who was arrested shortly after. As she was escorted away by police, Blessing said, You took my life, so I'm taking yours. She moved in with her son and his girlfriend six months ago. Cold case experts say they've identified the infamous skyjacker D.B. Cooper as a Vietnam War vet now living in San Diego. Cooper gained notoriety in 1971 when he hijacked and parachuted out of a plane over Washington State with $200,000 in ransom money. The team is making a documentary and in it approached 74-year-old Robert Rackstraw, who didn't confirm or deny that he's the real D.B. Cooper. Did you board that Northwest flight and hijack it? I've never been on a Northwest flight. Why are you so evasive about what should be a simple thing to say Because no. you guys make such a big deal out of it. Here's where the plot takes a turn. The team accuses the FBI of a cover-up, claiming the agency has always known his true identity, but protected Rackstraw because he served in classified units in Vietnam and may have been in the CIA. The FBI closed the case two years ago. The last surviving Gone with the Wind star turned 102 this week. What seems to be the trouble with Mr. Kennedy? More trouble than he guesses. 
That's actress Olivia de Havilland, who starred as the sweet Southern belle Melanie in the 1939 classic film. The two-time Best Actress Oscar winner, who was named a dame by Great Britain last year, has lived in Paris since 1956. She made news last year after filing a lawsuit against a TV network over how she was depicted in a miniseries. The case was dismissed. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. The best offense is a good defense. Investment expert Gordon Pape says that is the best way to approach the escalating trade war with the U.S. when it comes to protecting your nest egg. We talked about his tips for a portfolio tune-up. I think that uh, the markets are perhaps not really cognizant of uh, just how serious this could become. Remember, it's not just Canada that's involved in all this. Uh, Trump is actually taking on the world. He's got the European Union. He's imposed tariffs on China, who've then imposed their own retaliatory tariffs. Who knows how far this will go? But historically, if you look back to the 1930s and the implementation of the Smoot-Hawley Act, the uh, effect of that was to cut world trade by more than 50%. And interestingly enough, in the four years after that act was signed in 1930, the U.S. GDP dropped by 46%. So uh, this is not a game, uh, although Mr. Trump at times seems to think it is. And, of course, he's made the statement that uh, trade wars are uh, easy to win. Well, they're not easy to win, and they inflict damage all around. And certainly people's portfolios are going to be affected by this. How much of this is priced in the market? Not a lot. I think that basically what we're seeing is a very muted reaction. In fact, the markets are really quite calm in the face of all that's going on. We haven't really uh, actually been far enough into this in order to see the actual effects on um, industries, profits, the bottom line, which is, of course, what the markets actually zero in on. But I think that perhaps the markets, which were expensive anyway, are now really into unrealistic territory. So what would you do to be defensive? Well, there's a number of things that you can do. Uh, Number one, you've got to realize that in any trade war, looking at Canada and the United States specifically, uh, that we're going to lose. (laughs) Okay, yes. We're the the flea and the elephant. Uh, the, The U.S. is a much bigger economy, and no matter what we do in the way of retaliatory tariffs, it's going to be a pinprick to the U.S. compared to what they do to us. So the most obvious route to go, if uh, you are really worried about it, is to go to cash. I don't normally advocate that people sell everything and retreat to cash, but certainly you should have a significant amount of your position in cash at this point in time and not be taking undue chances. The other area to look at is, is bonds. We've seen some interest rates begin to come off a little bit. They were rising pretty steadily, but they've been coming off a little bit because of the fact that there are concerns growing that this trade war might be serious, and as far as the bond market is concerned, that could have a somewhat depressing effect on treasury bond yields. So that's an area as well that you might want to look at. Is there anything that you would get rid of? Well, I certainly wouldn't be wholly highly speculative stocks at this point in time. Anything that has a very high yield you should be suspicious of. You notice that of course, entertainment slashed their dividend by about 80% the other day. Stock dropped uh, by a quarter in its value. So anything that, that is deemed to be speculative, I think I would 
eliminate from the portfolio. If you have some big profits, I would take some of that money off the table. If you have stocks that have done very well, like Amazon and Google and Apple and so on, you might want to sell half so you raise a little more cash and take some profits off the table. Those are the kinds of tactics you might be looking at in this situation. What about people who say that there are some Canadian companies that stand to gain from this because Canadians want to be patriotic? I'm hearing from a lot of people who want to buy French's ketchup instead of Heinz. Well, yes, we've heard a lot of that uh, as well. But quite frankly, that's a small part of the Canadian market. What could really affect us very badly, obviously, is, is if he imposes tariffs on the uh, automobile sector. That would be an area where we have a lot of parts manufacturers in Canada, Magna, uh, Lidamar, a lot of these companies would be at risk in, in that situation. What do you say to fund managers who say, look at, you know, Donald Trump says a lot of things, it's noise? I think that that's whistling in the dark. Trump has made it clear right from the very beginning, from back in the days of the campaign, that he is an anti-free trader, that he feels that the United States has been badly done by. I think it would be silly to think that uh, he's just going to back off at some point. Okay, but he said he's not going to uh, sign another NAFTA deal till after the midterms, and one possible interpretation is that he's going to huff and puff until then, and then afterwards maybe be reasonable. <laughs> I think any suggestion that Donald Trump may be reasonable is, um, uh, let's say, overly optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think that he's going to be anybody other than who he is, and I think that is clearly demonstrated. Uh, he is going to be out for the best possible deal the U.S. can get. And if he doesn't like the deal, he's not going to sign it. And anything you would like to leave us with or add to this? Well, I, I really just think it's a time for people to consider very carefully what's happening, to take a look at history and consider what happened in the 1930s, and to understand that this is not a time to be speculative. This is a time to be defensive. And this is a time to be careful with your money. And we can, as they always say, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. That sounds like a good plan, Gordon Pape. Thank you so much. Okay, let me nice to talk to you. That was author, columnist, and investor Gordon Pape. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Weekend Review. Coming up, will the trade war change your travel plans? You're listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Are you thinking about changing your vacation plans because of the escalating trade war? According to a poll by Nanos Research, nearly three in four Canadians say they are likely or somewhat likely to stop traveling to the United States because of the cross-border conflict started by the U.S. president. And there's plenty to see and experience here at home. I sat down with Zoomer Magazine's Vivian Vassos to get her take on the best Canadian summer vacation hotspots. I mean, it's Canada. It's summer. It's all about Canada, I think. Why would you want to go anywhere else? It's the most beautiful place on the planet. Right, and the dollar isn't that strong. The dollar's not strong. It's not strong against other currencies, but it is still great here. And because we're Canada, you can experience so many other cultures, especially in the big cities, and our own indigenous cultures and all the crazy weather that we have. It's so much more diverse and interesting. What are your top picks for a Canadian holiday? Our issue, our summer issue, it, we're always about Canada. And this year we're talking adventure. Because we're active, we want to be out there. Our winters are so long. Our summers are so short. So 
top destinations, British Columbia, of course, but the coast, on the water, on the islands, fishing, hiking. The interior of BC is also something that we're talking about. They've just brought hiking, hiking back to the interior of BC. So if you're a skier and you love that mountain, that alpine sort of feel, plus I kind of think that hiking is a new yoga particularly for the Zoomer reader. It's a great way to be in nature, and we both know that's great for our brains. And it's also a great way to get exercise. So there's that. I also think that travel can involve your hobbies. So if you're a fisherman, it's great. But if you want to just do something as easy as antiquing, for example, I think going to all those small towns, doing the butter tart trail. I mean, there's great things in Ontario, Quebec. There's so much vintage heritage. Whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> What's the butter tart trail? The butter trail? tart trail. There's two of them. The Kawarthas are quite famous for their butter tarts. As I mean, Canada's famous. Butter tarts are our thing, one of our things. That's along with poutine and maple, everything. So um, up north, north of Toronto, there's a butter tart trail as well as in the Kawartha. So you can take that trail and taste different butter tarts and you can find all that stuff online. They've actually got maps drawn out and it's on the way to the cottage. And we love food. And I think Canadians also discover their own culture through food and other cultures that are also now Canadian cultures through food. So why not combine your love so you can go antiquing, you can check out a few butter tarts. We like coffee, we like going for tea, just layer up all those experiences and still kind of an adventure. Culinary tourism seems to be just getting bigger and bigger. We've talked before about the the pilgrimage and doing a wine and food pilgrimage and experiencing a destination through its wine and food somewhere like uh, Osoyoos in British Columbia, where just like Niagara in Ontario, these places started as orchards, so fruit orchards, and they developed into vegetables and then they morphed into wine country. So you have chefs and winemakers who are, you know, the perfect storm of culinary and experiential. You're learning, your palate is learning. So it's a great way to have that adventure and stay in Canada. So you're recommending BC or Soyuz? Um, I'm recommending BC. I'm, I'm recommending the coast. Yukon is another great place to go. And I'm talking all year round for Yukon. I know that sounds scary, but the Yukon in the summer, there's, again, outdoor adventure, horseback riding. In the winter, you have the light. It's all night. So you've got the, the northern lights, obviously. The Yukon's another great place for adventure. I would recommend it. And it's the air and the sky. It's just, it's ours. It's nobody else's. What about a railroad trip? Definitely. We talked about romancing the rails, and I think that's a a huge thing. I think people are coming back to that. You know, in Canada, we don't have as many options as they do in Europe for traveling the waterways. So river cruising is a huge thing. We're starting to get there. But in the meantime, the rail, for example, a couple of years ago, I, with my daughter, we did a mother-daughter trip from Montreal to Halifax, and we did the ocean. And it's an overnight trip. It's a beautiful trip. It only takes a couple of days. You start off in Montreal. The train station is right below the Queen Elizabeth Hotel, which is an icon in itself to visit. And you you go to Halifax, and then you can experience things like Pier 21, where maybe your parents or grandparents came to this country. And you can actually trace right to the ship that your grandpa or your grandma or your parents came in on. It's really fascinating, and we really enjoyed it. The Calgary Stampede is on. It's an interesting spectacle because it's a, a side of Canada that we don't always think about, the cowboy side. And we, I think a lot of us associate that with the U.S. So if you're into that sort of country music, cowboy side, equestrian style of Western, 
that's a fun option. And I think that event just keeps getting bigger and bigger every year. Some of the travel companies are starting river cruising on the St. Lawrence. And so starting Quebec City and going all the way down to the Great Lakes. So that's a really a new way of experiencing Canada, especially for a demographic that likes to do that kind of travel, that unpack once experience more than one place. And especially when you have the French part of Canada and the English part, you, again, you get that dual sort of culture. I see you've highlighted an Alaskan cruise. That's in the States. It is the States, but Canada does reap quite a, quite a few benefits. Um, in a lot of cases, the ship leaves from Vancouver and you can take the inside passage. In a lot of other cases, if you take the outside passage, when you come back, you stop in Victoria. And the nice thing about that, particularly if you're, if you're taking off from Seattle, for example, you can actually disembark in Victoria and not have to get back on the ship for that last night. So you're back in Canada, and so you're home. Plus, you're traveling pretty much through Canadian waters until you get to the fjords of Alaska. And um, it's just spectacular. You experience the wildlife in the ocean, uh, the whales and the orca, seals, dolphins. It's a spectacular trip. Okay. Okay. Vivian Vassos, thanks so much. Thanks. You'll find Vivian's picks in the July-August issue of Zoomer magazine. They're also launching a travel club. Go to everythingzoomer.com. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Weekend Review. Coming up, happy birthday, Ringo Starr. You're listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Weekend Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your International Arts Date Book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. Art lovers who like to go au naturel have made France the top spot in the world for combining the two. Dining, tours of art galleries and landmarks, and even stand-up comedy shows are part of France's naked experience. Saudi Arabia's Al-Asa Oasis and the Omani ancient city of Kalhat will be preserved in perpetuity. Both have been added to UNESCO's World Heritage List. The New Orleans Museum of Art is celebrating that city's 300th anniversary by exploring its complex past with an eye to the future. The exhibit is called Changing Course and runs through September. And the Dayton Art Institute in Ohio is presenting a special exhibit of Canada's best-known portrait photographer, Yusuf Karsh, American Portraits, is on view until September 16th. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. The oldest member of the Beatles is celebrating his 78th birthday this weekend. Ringo Starr was also the last to join the iconic band. He met the rest of the group in 1960 when his band, Rory Storm and the Hurricanes, performed alongside the Beatles. Starr sat in with the Beatles on multiple occasions, but it wasn't until 1962 that he officially became the drummer of the Fab Four, replacing Pete Best. One of Ringo's unique talents was coming up with odd quips and phrases. Many became the inspiration for the group's most popular songs, like It Was a Hard Day's Night, Tomorrow Never Knows, and Eight Days a Week. That was the Beatles with Eight Days a Week. Ringo Starr is celebrating his 78th birthday this weekend. 
And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer Moses Snymer. Produced by Christine Ross, Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, and Andre Lowy. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.